Thanks for tuning into the Health Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Kerwin, and today I'm going to be speaking with Johnny Landles. Johnny wears a lot of different hats. He's a crossfitter, a nutritionist, podcaster, and as I learned in this episode, a theatre actor. Uh, however, one thing that has been very evident about Johnny, as long as I've known him, is his desire to learn and his desire to help people. And I feel that's really going to be obvious in this episode today. I think a recurring theme in the episode is when it comes to nutrition or exercise, all the information we could possibly want is available to everyone for free. But that doesn't mean that everyone can automatically reach their goals. There has to be something in place to to help people change their behaviours and their habits, otherwise change is never going to last. That's where people like Johnny come in. He's currently studying how to apply cognitive behavioural therapy for behaviour change, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and even learned something from it because I know I certainly did. And if you do, I'd love it if you left a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Or if you're listening on YouTube, consider hitting the like button and subscribing for even more great podcasts. And if you can, please share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or even LinkedIn. Not only do I massively appreciate it, but it helps to promote the podcast to more people, which really encourages other guests to come and speak, which means I can get even more great content out to you. So, on to this conversation with Johnny. Let's talk science. Johnny, how are you doing? I am fantastic, Richie. How are you? Good, mate. Uh, very, very happy to have you on. Um, and I'm uh, really, really looking forward to uh, the chat that we're going to have today. Um, just uh, for anybody who might not be familiar with you, um, would you be able to give us a little bit of an introduction and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So uh, I'm Johnny, as hopefully you are aware right now. Uh, I own Next Step Nutrition, which is a nutrition company which is on a mission to help everyone understand nutrition through keeping it simple. And I started that company a few years ago. I used to coach CrossFit classes. That's where most of my background in fitness comes from. Um, But I started nutrition coaching on the side when I saw that there was quite a large gap in my uh, members' knowledge of nutrition as well as my own. So I kind of went on my own journey of uh, researching nutrition by working with a coach, um, doing the precision nutrition certification, starting the company, and then that led me to do the Mac Nutrition University certification and uh, here I am now operating Next Step Nutrition full-time. Um, before that, I was a, a failed musical theatre actor, but I'm sure that'll be a conversation for another day. Uh, now I spend my time working with clients, helping them with their nutrition, um, training a little bit my own, um, and also experimenting with really bad TikTok videos. <laughs> um, now that you mentioned the, uh, the, let's say, the inverted commas failed career in, in theatre, uh, I now understand why you have such good headshots um, because you've obviously sent your headshots through to me. Now it all makes sense. I was like, nobody can be that handsome naturally, but no, you, 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 it's theater. Absolutely not. Yeah. Those were the, <laughs> those were the, um, the 2014, was it 2014 or 2013 headshots. So we're looking at like a good sort of seven years ago in my prime. Um, and funnily enough, I paid for those headshots to be done because my agent said I needed new headshots. Uh, and it was like a week later, she decided to drop me. So I was like, great, I'm glad that I, <laughs> I'm glad I forked up these headshots. And how, I still have the prints of them somewhere, um, which, hey, you know, maybe one day I, I can't use them again now that it's seven years ago. But, you know, I sometimes think about reenacting the career, but not right now. 
Don't, don't worry. We, we all use the same headshots that we got taken that one time for as many years as possible. I'll, I'll keep using mine until I'm gray, and then, uh, which I'm going now. Um, one thing that you, you mentioned, Johnny, that, um, that really struck me uh, a second ago is you said you realized the, the kind of lack of nutrition knowledge um, mm. in some of your clients. And that's something that I think a lot of people are really, really concerned with now. So if, if we think about the, the, the health and fitness and nutrition industry, um, in the past, a lot of it would have been based around people giving out diet plans and telling people, okay, eat this, you'll get this result. And fair enough, some people really, really like that kind of approach. You know, it's, it's, it's quite simplified. But um, I think with the advent of what we'd call the, the evidence-based movement in nutrition and fitness, there's more of a, a push to educate clients about their food. So clients can be a little bit more independent about what they do and about making decisions about their food and their food choices, which I think is, is fantastic. But at the moment, there's also this further uh, development within that movement to not only help people with knowledge around what they need to do, but it's also with helping people actually make the changes that they need to make for, for, for habit change in their life, be it you know, changing their exercise habits or changing their food habits. Mm-hmm. And the, the conversation that I want to have with you today is, is all around that. And I just wanted to kind of ask your kind of what your background with behavior change is and what are your, your current kind of thoughts on that at the moment? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, as you said, there's definitely a, there's a gap between people's knowledge and then their application of that knowledge. And we're in the information era right now that everyone can get a ton of information at the, at the tip of their fingertips through their phones, um, laptops, w- whatever device they use to scour the, the internet. And one issue is that, that that information could be very wrong, depending on when, where they look, uh, for one. But there is a movement of the evidence-based movement, uh, you know, up and coming, and more and more people are, t- are talking about the, the real facets of nutrition that people need to focus on. And then it, it comes down to, well, actually, how do we apply these things? And I think the the first step to behavior change that I took was realizing that same thing as a practitioner, that not everyone was um, able to or would want to follow the same approach, right? So you'll have some people who, as you said, are very self-motivated and they kind of just want a simple plan to follow, Um, not necessarily a meal plan, but even just simple guidelines. And they're like, just tell me what to do and I'll I'll go and do them. You know, that kind of gung-ho person who like, okay, well, do this and you'll get great results. They're like, great. But there are plenty of people that need maybe a bit more um, active participation from the coach and a bit more of a position where they have someone help them implement these changes within their life so that they can actually feel confident in doing them and and go forward with them. And uh, in my second nutrition certification, they did talk a lot about behavior change techniques like self-determination theory and and cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, And within my own research in the habit building research I've just just taken a real liking to it and personally I'm, I'm doing a, a CBT course at the moment not in any desire to start therapy uh, because it is it's commonly used more with people with sort of addictive behaviors potentially um, eating disorders things like that for people that want to go ahead and get get certified as a therapist but it's it's more of a, a short-term practical therapy that can be used to get people to think about self-talk and also to get to think about their actions. Um, so I'm taking it personally as a way to help people 
not only understand how nutrition applies to their life, but then to understand how they can actively apply that with uh, certain behaviors. Absolutely. Like it, it, it sounds like kind of almost like the, the, the missing piece of the puzzle that a lot of people need. Mm. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to kind of getting into that a, little, a bit more. But just to start off, just for anybody who might not be familiar with the concept of CBT, would you be able to give a little bit of an explanation of, of what it is and, and how it works for people? Absolutely. So to clearly define it, um, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And as I talked about, it's a short term therapy and it's a practical therapy technique that helps people change their behaviors, specifically by looking at their thought patterns, which is what I thought was really interesting. So it addresses how we think about life events, how we act, and eventually then changes how we feel not only about ourselves, but about the world as well. And what's really great about it is that it's it's practical, it's goal orientated, and it's problem specific. And it, it directly requires both the practitioner and the client's active participation in order to succeed. So it's not as simple as hey, client, go and do this. It's a very much an active relationship counselling method which brings the client and uh, the counsellor together in a therapeutic alliance is the terminology they use to help them say, right, this is how um, we, we're thinking about the, the world or these actions. How can we start to change these negative thought patterns or these negative behaviours that you have and start to actively step-by-step step lead you to doing more positive behaviors that are in line with your uh, body composition and health goals. So, so that's one of the, the really, really interesting things that I find about CBT and, and probably one of the reasons that it's so, you know, inverted commas hot right now mm. um, is, is because it is, it's not similar to the standard, let's say Freudian psychoanalysis style of, of against therapy where we have, um, somebody, you know, you're lying on a, on a couch and you've got a, uh, a, th- a therapist, you know, writing down your, your, your thoughts as you kind of recite them to him. Yeah. It's, it's very, very much uh, therapist led and the therapist, again, I, I, and I'm very cautious about using that word therapist, but mm. you know, it, it's the therapist is involved in helping guide the clients with how the whole process works, which I really, really like about CBT. It's, it's not a passive process. It is very, very much an, uh, an active process. And it is very interesting to see all of the different aspects and different ways that it can be used. And one thing that you said was um, kind of leading clients through the, the steps of mm-hmm. behavior change. And I suppose just to give people a better idea of how CBT works, if, if somebody approached you and let's say they had the goal of, um, of weight loss and they wanted to improve their, their eating habits, mm-hmm. what would be some of the steps that you could lead a client through? Um, like how, how would you start with them and where, where would you take them from, the, from there? So with starting with any client, it comes from this initial consultation, this initial conversation, which I'm sure you, you have with your own clients as well. And through that, we, we not only talk about the goals, but I try to talk about their goals on a, on a deeper level as well, because a lot of people will come to a nutritionist or a personal trainer or a fitness expert with these ideas of weight loss or, or muscle gain or, or some kind of body composition improvement. Those are usually the reasons that people come to you, but there are absolutely and 100% definitely reasons that lie underneath that. And it's very important to have that conversation of why they're actually there talking to you and what spurred them to to get them to that step of talking to you because there are there are steps towards cognitive behavioral therapy talks about their steps of change 
And if they've come to talk to you, they've, they've already passed those first couple of steps of change because they've actually, you know, come to talk to you. If they've already paid you money, they've, they've had a, this thought pattern before that's led to that, to that um, relationship beginning. So you really need to understand what's, what's made that and what's happened because there could be a lot of things there that you need to uncover or talk about, which is going to make the change process easier. But from there, it's then about actively involving the client in their change. What, what nutritionists and personal trainers are great at is that they have great knowledge on what are habits and behaviors that they personally do to stay fit and healthy and what they've helped other clients do. But what they need to do rather than project their ideas of this onto the client is that they need to talk to the client about what behaviors they might want to change or even feel ready and willing and able to change. And those are very different things because this is where providing a meal and exercise plan without any further thought can really fail clients because as well intentioned as it is and as much as it might work, if that takes the client really far out of their ability, knowledge, confidence, then they're not going to do it because they might not even want to do it. And when they don't do it, they're going to feel like a failure. They're going to think that they can't do it. And that's going to be a really negative experience for them. And I bet a load of people listening to this will have had that relationship with a client, with a coach or with some kind of diet program where they've been just basically told what to do. They don't really want to do it. Don't quite understand how to do it. Don't feel confident in doing it and then don't do it, but feel like they failed because that was what was told they had to do to be successful. So the first step is talking to the client about where they are now in relation to health and fitness habits because you and I as nutritional professionals we could probably agree that you know daily movement not necessarily exercise but daily movement um, eating plenty of protein eating plenty of fruit and vegetables managing your calorie allowance be that through tracking or non-tracking methods having some kind of awareness of hunger and, and fullness those are like the cornerstone habits to living a healthy balanced life through nutrition and fitness we have to have a conversation with the client of where they are at with regards to those habits and what they might want to change first off and what they feel confident in doing so. So rather than saying, Hey client, this is what you're going to do. You say, Hey, first name of my client, really happy to be working with you through the you know consultation process. Ask them about their eating behaviors, ask them about their thoughts on what healthy eating means. Cause you know, they could be quite far different to yours talk to them about their their previous experiences what's worked in the past what hasn't worked what do they enjoy doing and then say based upon your goals and where i think you are now some first steps could be these what do you think about those steps and then you wait for your client's answer do they want to approach that topic or would they rather focus on something else and then once you've decided on a good starting point you then need to talk to them about what it is they might start on changing and how confident they are in doing so because if as i said if the client doesn't have the confidence knowledge or ability to do a certain action they won't do it they'll then feel like they failed you and they might not come back or they might not report or they might not be honest or any of those things so it's really really important to take a level deeper in saying okay well how confident are you that you can do this change on a daily basis and if they say not very or they're kind of mediumly confident you'll need to scale it back you'll need to make it so easy for them that they are 90 to 100 percent confident that they can do 
what you're asking of them because then they're going to go away they're going to be successful in this habit they're going to think that they can achieve these changes they're going to be successful it's going to be a real paradigm shift for them and they're going to keep coming back to have further conversations with you and you can inch them towards success um so one one thing that i i think is is kind of key to, to what you mentioned there and I, if if people listening to this if they take anything away from this i think it's the fact that if, if i if i kind of put it in context at the moment there are more you know free uh, exercise programs and more free diet plans than you can shake a stick at mm. uh, on the internet and everybody has access to them and if you want to get information on diet, if you want to get information on exercise, all of that information is out there and it's, it's, it's relatively easy to get. But making that information or turning that information into a plan that is sustainable and that is something that people can be consistent with over time is not easy at all. And everything that you just discussed there where a, you're turning a, a plan into something that works for the individual that's, let's say, the, the key and the crux of this. So I suppose one of the benefits is that if you're working with a professional, you've got somebody who is able to turn all of these different plans and all of this information into something that is not only um, implementable, but also sustainable over time. And I think that is the, the real advantage of working with um, a professional or working with a coach or somebody who can help you with behavior change because you know like like i said the information is always there it's always available and we could easily say that you know if it was just down to the information people would have absolutely no problem with hitting their fitness goals or hitting their their weight loss goals and everybody would be fine and then you know people like yourself and myself would be out of work um mm -hmm. there would be no need for us but that's not the case people genuinely do need that that help with implementing a plan and in changing their behaviors um, around food and exercise to make it make it actually happen yeah. and another thing that that, that you mentioned that I, I found really really interesting is is you said you know you're trying to find the the kind of number of steps that people would feel 100 percent confident or comfortable with that they'd be able to change um, and uh, I suppose just from a to kind of give people a bit of an idea of, of that what does that mean does that mean you're trying to find the minimum level of change that people can can implement or, or maximum or, or how does that work yeah it's um it's pretty much what you just said there on the tin is that this idea of people are going to be able to adopt things at different speeds and they're going to need different levels or they're going to need different starting points because people will uh, come to you with different backgrounds different ideas of what healthy eating means different ideas of fitness different backgrounds of what works for them um, and they'll have different levels of skills and different levels of knowledge so with regards to working with people you need to think well what are the what are the first things that they can change that's probably going to be quite easy for them to do so that are going to have quite a big effect from a, a you know from a lingo point of view we would we would deem this low-hanging fruit with regards to the fruits right there for the picking we just need to make the client aware of it and say look this is this is going to be quite easy for you to change and it's going to have quite a big effect um but you then have to ask them whether they're wanting to do that because if you've got a weight loss client who is drinking a few calories in the day because they're having a latte every morning that's got a bunch of syrup in it if you tell them to take that away 
that might have impacted their quality of life. It might, you know, they might have that with their partner or a friend of theirs that they see and it's a bit of a ritual for them and it sets them up well for the day mentally. So you might talk to them about changing the drink instead, but then the, the action is still there. Or maybe they just really enjoy that and you don't want to take that away from them. So you look at changes elsewhere that you can make to their caloric intake or to their movement, which still allows them to implement a calorie deficit and start to achieve their weight loss goals. So you've got to be very, very careful about the changes that you make and make sure that even if they are the the most obvious ones to you, they might not be the ones that the client actually wants to change. And remember, you can't, as a client, as a practitioner listening to this, you can't impose your thoughts of what healthy eating is to the client. You need to help them understand how to apply it to their lifestyle instead, which is a a big, big difference in opinion. Um, So to answer your opinion, it is looking at what the client can do quite easily and readily, that's actually going to have an effect. And then from there, you've got a platform that you can then step by step move them along the way. But depending on the client, that's going to be going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. And I I suppose for most people, it it will be a case of kind of finding, okay, what are the, like like you said, the low-hanging fruit, the easy things to do at the beginning. Um, And that may be, or it may seem like quite a a minimalistic approach. And, you know, you, you you know, some people might think that that these are very, very small changes. Like, like I know personally, when I'm working with people, I prefer to make small changes over time. And then like those, those small changes do add up, but Mm -hmm. just out of curiosity in in your own experience, when you're working with somebody and, you know, we, we, I think we've all got experience of this of working with a client who is very, very gung ho about, okay, I'm going to make, all of these changes straight away. I am going to completely revamp my diet. I'm going to be training like Arnie three days a week. Um, they're really, really passionate at the beginning of things. Uh, and I'm, 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 I really want to highlight and focus on the fact that I said at the beginning of things. How do you kind of help temper that passion um, that they have for, for making changes? At- it's about talking to that client I guess about what they've done in the past and what works best for them because if they are at the stage where they're coming to see me then they've probably done that kind of thing in the past they probably had that um you know big gung-ho change where they've done a million things at once and then quite quickly burnt out um which is why they're kind of almost not starting from scratch but they're starting again with with this relationship with a practitioner and they're looking to make these changes so I would congratulate them on their attitude because it's great to like be really motivated and at the start of client coach relationships you know clients usually are uh, or hopefully they are um and so it's you know you can potentially give them maybe two things to focus on or or you can find out a level of um a starting point which they seem happy with but you do have to have that conversation and say look you've probably had this attitude in the past because i know myself i've done it but that led me to here this probably sounds like your journey as well and you can then have that conversation and help them realize that they've done that in the past that's probably what's not worked for them is the fact they've tried to bite off more than they can chew and life's got in the way and so it's saying if we start smaller and start with more practical more readily you know more readily available steps we can we can progress quickly if you show great uh, attitude and if you should show great uh, compliance so you know you'll soon be where you want to be but let's focus on that first rather than trying to change everything at once and then you you kind of 
gamify their commitment by saying if you do this really well and you show great commitment great adherence then we can quickly make these steps that you want to make but i want to see you doing these things consistently first before we start adding on top absolutely and, and i i think again that is you know like, like we said earlier one of the the kind of missing uh keys that that from people's change in behavior around you know their, their health habits because i think you know everybody will have some sort of experience where they've you know okay, they've gone on some very, very strict diet and they've like, they've managed to stick to it for like four weeks and they've managed to diet down for their, their holiday or, or their wedding or whatever. And they all know that at the end of that, they all just usually gain the weight right back. And they've got this kind of yo-yo cycle of, of weight loss and weight gain. And I think helping people, you know, taking, let's say a, a slower, steadier approach um, to that behavior change is probably much more sustainable long-term. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of what people need um, as opposed to what people might want initially, which is, you know, making all of these changes um, really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, on the whole, uh, let's say, behavior change side of things and, and, and the whole habit change side of things, um, you know, in the media, we, we often hear about like, oh yeah, to, to, to change a habit, you need like a, a minimum of, you know, 20 days or, you know, some people say, oh, you need four weeks to change a habit or we all, we all hear these, these kind of figures thrown around. Mm. And I'm wondering what's the, the evidence base when it comes to the amount of time that it, it is needed to change a habit or, or should we not even be focusing on that at all? Is it something that's completely individual? Yeah. Those, uh, those kind of branded around statements that they're, they're as useful as the whole, our oh, men need, two and a half thousand calories to maintain weight and women need 2000 calories or, uh, you know, whichever way around is it 2,500 or, or something like that, that, you know, that those statements around habit change are just as useful as those kind of big, broad sweeping statements. And you can't blame people for making them because again, people want something simple to follow. Don't they? They want like a, a, a definitive answer. Whereas you and I both know that in this, in this field, there rarely is a black and white scenario. It's usually a kind of field of gray, that uh, relies directly on the person and and habit change is no different you know in the research where they've applied habits to individuals there's a great difference between adoption of habits of like subconscious change varying from like a few weeks to a few months and so what i'd say to people wondering about oh well how long is this going to take the stance that i've been taking in, in all of my content and on all of my conversations with clients is that it doesn't really matter how long something takes as long as you actually eventually get there and you don't regress so people as you said there they are um they'll do a diet for the summer or they'll do a diet for their wedding and then before long they've kind of put that weight back on and maybe regressed even further and who wants to live that life not no one no one wants to live that life and so rather than focusing on how long it's going to take and thinking, all oh, right, well, at least if it only takes this long, I'll be back to, I'll be back to doing what I want soon. It's more of a case of, well, no, you need to be focusing on these kind of habits that are then going to last forever. So it doesn't matter if weight loss takes you 800 weeks, as long as after that, you've reached a point where you don't ever regress back again. Um, and what the, the language I'm using with my, my clients and my content is that, the calorie deficit, if we're talking about weight loss, the calorie deficit that's required, that that is temporary because when you've got to a place where you're happy, we'll look at having you on a maintenance caloric intake, whatever that means for you at, at that stage. But the habits that you're working on to implement and adhere to that calorie deficit, those are forever. So 
this idea of um as i talked about before eating protein with each meal eating plenty of fruit and vegetables in a day moving daily sleeping well managing stress being aware of your hunger and fullness cues those are things habits that you can do and still have a very varied and enjoyable life with food and alcohol and drink doesn't mean that you have to live a martyr for the rest of your life it means that you adopt better habits around health and nutrition that you can maintain that allows you to live a balanced lifestyle i i i think one thing that's key out of that is you're, you're talking about a change in mentality um mm. and, and and i suppose that is the, the whole point of like long-term behavior changes is coming with is achieving that change in mentality around what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve um and that kind of brings me on to another question because with this whole talk about changing behaviors we're very very much speaking about changing actions that people need or, or or we tend to think about just changing actions when it comes to what people need to do. So for example, changing the foods that you eat or changing the, the exercise that you do or the, the activity that you have during the day. But I, I, I think, um, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, people need to go perhaps a little bit further with that. And is, is there more of a change to mentality or is there even a change to identity when, when people are kind of hoping to make these long-term changes? Yeah, that's a, a fantastic use of language in the in the question you've posed, because in particular, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, which I would recommend to everyone listening to this podcast, he talks about there being three circles to people's behaviours um, and to their goals and things like that. And he, he talks about the outer layer, the very outer layer being the outcomes that people talk about. So whenever people think about health and fitness, they think about losing weight or they think about putting on muscle or getting stronger or looking better. Those, those are all outcome based. And he talks about the circle that's inside of that. So, you know, more important is the behaviors of a person. So that'll be the training three to five times a week. That'll be the eating vegetables with each meal. That'll be the walking 10,000 steps a day. They are actionable behaviors that people take in which to produce those outcomes. So he says one step is for you to rather focus on outcomes, which are actually directly out of your control, is to focus on the behaviours, which are, of course, directly within your control. You can't control your scale weight going down week to week, but you can control whether you eat five to seven portions of fruit or veg a day. So he talks about focusing on those rather than the outcomes. But the layer inside of both of these is the identity piece of the individual. And this is where it gets quite interesting because he talks, talks about it in a couple of different ways. He says one way is to reverse engineer your success. <clears throat> so to think about if you were to be someone who was lean, fit, healthy, balanced, what would be the habits that that person maintains? And then how can you start to slowly adopt those habits so that you become that individual? So you're almost thinking right i'm going to have that identity and impose that upon my life and to do that i need to adopt these behaviors and then that's going to produce the outcomes that i desire um and that's a really interesting way of looking at it because you then think right i'm going to tell myself that i am this person who i want to be right now because that's going to have a direct impact on my behaviors which is going to have that direct impact on the outcomes that i desire not necessarily within a week but eventually i will have those outcomes because daily 
I'm doing these necessary behaviors because my identity is now of this person who I want to become. Um, and you can see that within tribes of fitness. You can see that bodybuilders, they have the identity of being a bodybuilder. So they, um, they read bodybuilder magazines. They follow bodybuilders online. They look at their YouTube videos. They look at their Instagram poses. They practice posing. They eat chicken and rice six meals a day out of Tupperware. And they, you know, they train two hours a day. And, and they have that identity within their tribe. And you can see the same thing with CrossFitters, right? CrossFitters, they all wear um, Reebok or Nike or Noble trainers and they all um, wear, you know, they all work out with their tops off even when it's winter. Um, And they used to all eat paleo, but now they all know about macros and they, you know, they try and make it as complicated as possible to follow nutritional advice. And, um, you know, they, they all follow Matt Fraser on YouTube and they follow rich Froning's old events for, for those of <laughs> for those of us who are the ogs in crossfit um and they have that identity which introduces their behaviors and that becomes a part of who they are so if you're listening to this and you're thinking how does that apply to me you've got to think about who are you trying to become um and you've got to pre- be prepared to adopt that identity for one either eventually or initially in order to depending on which way around you want to work it yeah, I, I think that that is something that people have a lot of difficulty with, or even you know the way it, some people could think, listen to that, and they could they could potentially be a little bit put off by thinking, well, I don't want to change myself, and it's not necessarily changing yourself or 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 who you are as a person, but it's changing a little bit of the the mentality around how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. And how you view what you do and what you're capable of, because if if we think about it, like you know somebody's um, idea or of their or their perception of who they are right now, it might be well, I'm, let's say I'm Bobby, and I you know I go to the pub three nights a week, and uh, in the evenings I watch Love Island, uh, and uh, you know I I eat chips as regularly as I can. It, you know, you can still be Bobby and, you know, you can go to the pub maybe just a couple of nights less frequently. Um, uh, you can be Bobby who goes to the gym a couple of times a week. You can be mm. Bobby who, you know, um, has a salad every now and then or, you know, Bobby who, you know, has a, a healthy breakfast or, you know, d- doesn't eat snacks anymore. It's mm. still Bobby, but it's just um, a different modified version of Bobby to help Bobby uh, achieve his goals. Yeah. Is, is that something like what, what, what you're getting at? Absolutely. Because the thing is, is that, you know, as, as you just talked about there, if you are someone now listening to this, who goes to the pub as their social event, that's not a bad thing because social health is very important. And we know that moderate alcohol consumption is linked to better health outcomes, whether that's because, you know, the, the sober ones skew the curve because they used to be alcoholics. We're, we're unsure, but you know, Italy and France drink moderate amounts of red wine and seem to be doing pretty well. Um, it's not that those that's a bad thing, but being in a pub environment with a lot of alcohol on tap and very high fat, salty snacks, and maybe the people you hang around with could be skewing your caloric intake. But you do have to then be prepared of, you know, if you're Bobby who goes down the pub and drinks with the lads, if you then go down to the pub and you're like, actually lads, I'm only having one pint tonight because I'm watching my weight or, or actually lads, when you order those uh, pork scratchings, I'm actually going to decline because I'm, I've got dinner ready for me at home. You might get a bit of stick for that. And you've got to be prepared because 
although you as a person haven't changed, you're still Bobby, you still have the likes and dislikes that you've always had, you're still, you still have the same sense of humour, you still have the same values, you know, you still have the same friends. You need to be aware of how your friends will react to that change because they might not like it. They might think, well, why are you watching your weight? Does that mean that I need to change? Like, I don't want to change. I think I'm fine. I think you're fine. Why are you being a dick about it? You've got to, <laughs> you've got to think about how your friends and loved ones are going to perceive that because they might be threatened by it or they might think that you're fine the way you are. And people listening to this might feel very, very like I'm talking directly to them right now because I'm sure that people have all changed and their loved ones have said, well, why are you doing that? you're fine the way you are or why are you doing that? Like, you, you know, that's stupid. That's silly. You don't need to do that. And those things can make or break people's um, changing. So you need to be prepared for that. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think even nowadays things are a lot better, but if, if you say, if you went back five years ago or, or even maybe a little bit more, and I, I think if people were considering making changes to their health or to their eating habits, they could potentially, and, and this is probably more, more true on the, uh, the guy side of things, they would potentially have received a lot of steak from their friends. And they, and they still do this day, these days. But I think that these days, things are a little bit different and people are more accepting of people making changes to their diet and exercise. And diet and exercise are becoming a lot more, um, and it's a weird word to use, but mm. accepted um within kind of mainstream society and like you know if somebody's kind of going off jogging or, or training regularly in the gym that's you know it's not as kind of made fun of as much as it would have been a few years back so things are easier but definitely things are not uh easy by any any means at all no not at all <clears throat> as you said there like you know we've almost had that hipster age of everyone having um avocado on toast and, and like you know caring more about their health and um although you know to be healthy you don't you don't need to have avocado or things like that i mean we know that um we've then got to be got to be aware of fitness professionals as our, of our own little bubble of thinking well actually yeah things are a lot better and they are um but in the grassroots there may still be a lot of this idea of well life was good the way it was before so why why should we change or why do we need to change um and yeah i just think people need to be aware of that because it's a, it can be a big barrier for people overcoming their social pressure and their social norms of who their friends and family might think they are or want them to be versus um the changes that they they want to make absolutely and I, I, I think that's something like we're probably talking about a lot of things that some people don't even consider when they're thinking about making changes. You know, they, they, they wouldn't consider, you know, okay, oh, well, how is my, my family or how are my friends, my social group, how are they going to react? Is that going to have an effect on, on how I do things? And it genuinely can. Mm. Um, and, you know, like personally, I, I think it's fantastic if I'm working with somebody, if their spouse is involved or at least um, on board with, with the process because it makes the process uh, a, a lot easier and a lot more effective. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, to, I, I'm, I'm very conscious of your time and I don't want to take up too much, but I do have one question um, and it's specifically to do with uh, habit change right now, because obviously we're, we're at, in a, a time that is very, very um, unusual and unprecedented in, in the fact that we're all dealing with, you know, the, the whole, the coronavirus, COVID-19. Mm. And a lot of people are locked up at home in a situation that they're not used to being in. Um, you know, some people aren't able to get to the gym. Um, some people probably might not be able to get some of the diet foods that they they're, they're usually get. Or some people may, for the first time in their life, be thinking about making changes. Um, 
and I'm just wondering of the things that we've spoken about now, does, does anything change? Does your approach change or is, is there anything different to the process that people need to apply to, to start bringing about changes in their life right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I want to start off by saying, obviously, I'm sympathetic that people are in drastically different positions, as you said there. So there are some people who are um, who are furloughed from work, some people who are getting the 80% or some people that have been lucky to be, be topped up. But obviously, the, the government were only promising up to sort of two and a half K per month. And if someone was used to living on, on far more than that, um, the lucky souls, then, you know, they, they might be drastically in a very different situation. Um, whereas self-employed people, like I'm, I'm friends with quite a lot of musicians and singers who are completely out of work and didn't have enough accounts to kind of get support. So, and then there are other people who are working full time and then trying to homeschool kids and, and you know, balance a, a lot more responsibilities. So I'm aware that people are in very drastically different circumstances. I hope that unless you own the gym and you're the only one there that you aren't still going to a gym um, and that you're trying to train from home. And obviously that's another, another thing as well. Some people have equipment, others don't. Uh, some people have great ideas of how to make body weight workouts excellent for them. Other people don't. And we're in very different situations with regards to the idea of, you know, do the habits change to the, does the system change? I, I don't think so at all. I think if anything, the habits of promoting health are more important than ever. What I would say about that is to avoid being sucked into immune boosting supplements or immune boosting plans. Like if you're if you're eating plenty of nutrient dense foods like meats, fish, fruit and vegetables, nuts and seeds, dairy, fibrous carbohydrates, um, then you're doing fine for your immune system. Then you just need to make sure that you're getting plenty of sunlight, sleeping and recovering. Um, so don't get sucked into kind of immune boosting plans or supplements because those people promoting that at the moment are, are cretins for want of a better word. Um, and then, so the habits don't change, you know, we need, we need to still be focusing on sleep. We need to be focusing on protein. We need to be focusing on activity um, and health promoting activity at that, you know, getting, getting healthful exercise, you know, a nice bit of resistance maybe, or just some gentle walking or some gentle cycling or, or, or running. It doesn't need to be high intensity. It doesn't need to be hit workouts. If you want to do those, fantastic but it doesn't have to be those things so the habits themselves don't change i think the process for people now might be easier because they have ultimate control over what they're doing um for sure for people who are working from home they still have to abide by potential meetings and things like that with their work um but if you're not then you are now the master of your fate you have ultimate control over your schedule you can decide when you go to bed you can decide when you get up you can decide when you do what and yes you might have family but then my advice would be to include the entire family in this decision making there's nothing worse than when you set yourself a great idea and someone else wants to do something else and you think well i wanted to do this but you know, I've, I've been in this position myself. You can't get mad at other people if they're not aware of what it is you wanted to do in the first place and you weren't aware of their priorities and their values and what they wanted to do with their time either and how that might conflict. So in a family unit, you'll need to sit down with your kids and your wife um, or your husband, depending if you're male or female listening to this, or if you're, you know, you know I'm not going to uh, judge people's sexual preferences, um, it, whoever your family unit is, and say, okay, based on the life we live now when are we all going to 
work? When are we all going to exercise? When are we going to eat? Are we going to cook together? Are we going to cook separate? Are we going to share that responsibility? Um, and, and you can work out a routine that works for everyone. Um, because then you're going to get the perfect compromise between you and your family unit. And from there, if you're wanting to build up a habit of exercise, if you're wanting to build up a habit of cooking from home, then you haven't got social events or activities or any of these things that are going to get in the way. That's usually the the block is that people are afraid of going out. They're afraid of eating out. They're afraid of going to parties because they're worried about food and alcohol. And of course, living a balanced lifestyle should include those things. But at the minute, if you wanted to make a real focus on exercise and cooking, it, you know, now is the best time. No, I, I, absolutely. I, I agree. If somebody wants to make a change right now, it, it is, uh, well, some people, and again, I, I think it's important to, to, to highlight that, you know, it's some, everybody's very, very different in this situation. And some mm. people will have the opportunity, others won't. And another thing is, even if somebody does have the opportunity, I suppose it, you know, neither of us are saying that you, you need to make that change. You know, like no. some people are just not feeling up for, up for it right now. And I can completely understand that. And there are plenty of reasons that somebody might not feel like that and not, not want to do the change. But if they want to, and if they can, you know, there are options available for them to, to make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny, like th- this whole conversation around behavior change and around how cognitive behavioral therapy um, can be used uh, to, to promote it like there's so much that we could talk about and so much that I would love to talk about but I'm very very conscious of your time and it, it might be something that we may need to pick up in in another episode sometime but mm-hmm. just out of curiosity for for anybody who um, wants to kind of learn a little bit more about it or wants to learn a little bit more about you or, or follow you what are some of the best ways they can do that yeah, great. I mean, as I said before, Richie, you don't need to be conscious of my time. I don't really have a life. So if you, you know, you want, <laughs> I'm aware that podcasts are usually only sort of an hour long for people's attention spans. So uh, we can definitely get back on and talk about all this stuff because I, uh, I love doing it. If people wanted to look more into CBT, then personally, I'm doing um, a, a miniature diploma on a new skills academy. Um, because as I said, I literally wanted to go through it in a practical manner to help my coaching practice, as opposed to a, a full blown uh, qualification to be a therapist so if anyone was looking to work with an actual therapist that isn't me um so please go and find one um but if you're interested in in the, the you know the aspect of cbt in itself you can find a lot of detail there um personally if you if you do want to work with me because you want to improve your nutritional behaviors to improve your health be that weight loss or sports performance or muscle gain or, or what have you um you can find me on instagram at johnny Landles. um and you can find me on Facebook at Next Step Nutrition Limited. And the website is nextstep-nutrition.com. Um, and all the details are there in terms of sort of services and, and such have you. Absolutely. And I'll include all those links in the show notes for this as well. Uh, Johnny, um, I just want to say thank you so much for this. This I, Again, I, I am personally fascinated with the whole area of behavior change um, uh, just because I, I realize that it is, like I said, one of those com- key components and almost like the missing piece of the puzzle when it comes to helping people uh, make those long-term changes. So um, I think it's absolutely amazing that you're kind of, you're furthering your own knowledge and your own experience and skill set when it comes to doing that. And I really, really appreciate you, you speaking with us today and, and telling us all about it. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get you on uh, at another point in the future to talk a little bit more about it. Absolutely up for that, Richie. Thank you very much for having me on. 
Thanks, Johnny. Uh, well, have a great day and uh, we'll be chatting to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Scientist Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed and maybe even learned something from what we've spoken about today. And if you did, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, or maybe even share a link on social media, your Instagram stories, Facebook, Twitter, even LinkedIn. It really helps spread word of the podcast, which means I can continue to get great guests to speak about different topics in health, which means more content for you. It really means a huge amount to me personally too. If you ever want to watch one of the podcasts live or ask questions to any of the guests, you can do so by following me on Instagram at be more nutrition. That's at b underscore more underscore nutrition. And I'd love to hear your comments and feedback about the podcast. So please comment on the podcast post or feel free to drop me a message directly. And if you ever have a suggestion for a guest that you'd like to hear, please do let me know. I'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then.